Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. In light of the recent banking crisis, global central banks' narrow focus on combating inflation has gotten more complicated as they are now faced with the added task of maintaining financial stability. And the U.S. Fed raised its benchmark overnight interest rate by a quarter of a percentage point, as expected by financial markets, but in doing so, also dropped from its policy statement language, saying that it anticipates further rate increases would be needed. So what does this mean now? And what can we also expect from the ECB? And how are investors now allocating their assets in this backdrop? Well, joining us on the phone today is Tama Pulawig, who is the head of multi-asset solutions, APAC, and a portfolio manager in the multi-asset division at T. Rowe Price. Hi, Toma. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Hongbin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Okay. Okay. So overnight, the U.S. Fed they made its interest rate decision. I mean, it was widely expected, but what does this signal now? Because they said they don't really expect more interest rates to come. Yeah, look, um, a lot to unpack for sure in this uh, market environment. Mm-hmm. But starting with the Fed, I think the uh, the 25 basis points was were, was widely anticipated. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a surprise. Uh, what you uh, mentioned about dropping a statement about future hike, I think would be it could be a mistake to over. Uh, over um, take uh, that uh, that drop of the statement because inflation mm-hmm. is still there as you yeah. said and um, I, we believe this remains the top priority of the Fed that's what Jerome Powell said during his, mm-hmm. uh, his press conference as well and if you think about the um, the labor market that is quite tight mm-hmm. this is feeding through wage growth mm-hmm. which is now running at about five six percent mm-hmm. and this is feeding through CPI services inflation. Mm-hmm. So until you get uh, a better, um, uh, I would say, some uh, some good news from the labor market, which would mm-hmm. show, um, unfortunately, a drop in uh, employment, mm-hmm. uh, that could remove the pressure on uh, on CPI services. And only then we believe the Fed will be more relaxed to, uh, to cut rates uh, going forward. Right, right. Then what does this mean for this 25 basis point hike, mean for the bank turmoil that is going on? Uh, the bank turmoil is definitely not... Not, um, not helping in terms of uh, market sentiment. Mm-hmm. I would say that for now, it has been um, contained uh, given policymakers' uh, support as well as uh, big banks c- coming to the rescue uh, mm-hmm. so, for some cases. For now, it looks like it's more of an asset liability matching issue mm-hmm. for the banks that uh, were uh, in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not necessarily uh, a credit risk issue uh, as, it, uh, as it was, for example, in, uh, in the GFC. Mm-hmm. So for us, that limits, limits the potential contagion. But uh, we have to take note because this is a sign that the tightening that we got from the central banks is starting to bite. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that it limits also the potential for banks to to lend to companies. Mm-hmm. So if companies are not able to take a loan, then they will decrease their spending. And that uh, doesn't bode well for future activity. But it typically has a, a lag of, let's say, 6 to 18 months. Okay, okay. Uh, how are the bonds? markets reacting? What are they pricing in for the future of interest rate decision from the Fed? Are they expecting a cut? Look, yeah, I think the, the, the bond market have been a bit more sanguine mm-hmm. than I, I would uh, I would be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, it, it, as I said before, the Fed is um, 
to me, unlikely to, to signal a cut at best uh, to pause would be the, already a, a positive signal to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the market is quite, quite extreme positions on that. Mm-hmm. And some of them are expecting uh, the Fed to cut quite materially even before your end. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not my best case, but uh, that's what some of the, the market participants are thinking of. Okay, okay. And also the European Central Bank, they're set to hike rates later this evening. What can we expect? So the ECB is a bit uh, behind the curve compared mm-hmm. to the Fed. So um, there is definitely room for even uh, more than 25 basis points, which is what uh, the market is pricing mm-hmm. and our expectation as well. But um, the, the surprise could be uh, a 50 basis points uh, cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, why we say that is because, again, the uh, service sector is, is quite strong in Europe. Uh, since um, Q4 last year, we have seen a rebound in European activity, uh, mostly uh, driven by um, uh, better also a, a reopening in uh, emerging market and in China in particular, mm-hmm. uh, also a lower cost of commodities. So this helped economic activity in Europe. So inflation is running uh, well above uh, what the ECB uh, would be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second thing that we uh, th- that is perhaps uh, putting some uh, pressure to the ECB to uh, do lower than 50 and do 50, 25 basis points mm-hmm. is that um, the uh, bank lending uh, report that we got this week has been quite weak, mm-hmm. especially there have been quite a, a sharp drop of uh, demand of uh, loan. And again, as I said before, for uh, the U.S. in the context of uh, regional banks, mm-hmm. this doesn't bode well for future activity. So there is a case to be made that um, the ECB can uh, do only 25 basis points, but the risk is that they, they go higher due to uh, the pressure on the service uh, sector. Okay. Okay, so how are you know investors allocating their assets? What are some of the latest multi-asset allocation strategies at the moment? Yeah, so I can talk about what we do in our portfolio. So mm-hmm. um, first, we stay quite defensive at the top level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we believe that um, the market is not really pricing accurately the uh, the Fed and the central banks, as I said before. The second thing is that valuations are quite extreme, um, especially for uh, U.S. large cap. So we would say that there is still some room for uh, disappointment, unfortunately, for market participants. As we have seen, um, May, uh, the, the month of May has not been good so far for mm. markets. So we are quite defensive, uh, but we are not too defensive as well. We do have some uh, overweight position to more cyclical parts of the market, like uh, small cap. We have also um, more exposure to credit. So uh, the things like um, high yield debt or emerging market debt would be things that we would be overweight as well. So there are ways to still take risk in the market, but mm-hmm. at the top level, we are quite uh, prudent and uh, our level of active risk is not as, uh, as high as it, uh, it could have been. Okay, okay. What about in terms of safe havens? You know, there's these growing fears of a recession and the backdrop of, you know, the U.S. Fed decision and the potential hike from the ECP. Are more investors rushing to safe havens, would you say? I think you you may refer to the price of gold that uh, that is reaching new mm-hmm. high. Uh, we can definitely see, see that. Uh, I think the price of gold is also uh, pricing an expectation that the Fed might cut rate going forward. So I would not be uh, too uh, supportive of that view. But there is definitely um, a need for investors to find diversification in uh, in certain assets. Mm. Uh, talking about safe haven, I think the uh, the U.S. dollar has been also on a on downward trend uh, since uh, its peak in um, late last year. 
And we expect that to continue going forward. Um, the, uh, the next big uh, risk in the market uh, is uh, U.S. Uh, debt selling. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, if history is any guide, uh, the U.S. dollar was quite weak uh, during the previous episode in 2011. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are uh, perhaps a bit um, uh, more negative on the U.S. dollar. Uh, and uh, that could also uh, push gold prices higher. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is not um, gold is not something where we own uh, position right now. Okay, okay. And I just want to step a little bit back to multi-asset allocation strategies for a minute. Are there any contrarian views amongst investors for that? Yeah, I think we, we have quite an interesting uh, one in terms of contrarian view. I, I mentioned that we are overweight uh, U.S. small cap versus mm-hmm. large cap. And um, you might have seen in the social media, there is a, a chart showing that uh, we are going to uh, to face a, a zombie apocalypse. Mm. So what is a zombie? A zombie is a company that is basically not able to, to repay their debt mm-hmm. uh, over the next three years. And uh, there is a chart showing that we are perhaps at 24% of companies in the Russell 300 index. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of research on that to, uh, to support our view. And what we found is that um, this is a bit misleading because you have companies that might uh, experience faster growth uh, in the future, think about uh, Amazon, for example, in the late 90s. It could have been called a zombie back then, mm-hmm. but uh, it's uh, quite a successful one. You have innovation that will pay off later. You have also liquid asset reserves somewhere else. So what we did is that we, we looked at other indicators to uh, to define what a zombie could, uh, could mean, and we mm-hmm. used... Uh, an indicator that is used in fixed income market called uh, Alman Z-score. Mm-hmm. And basically what it shows is that it looks at a broader range of indicators in the balance sheet. And what we found, surprisingly, is that the level of uh, zombies mm. are much lower than um, what was coined in this uh, previous chart. So we feel good about uh, our overweight U.S. small cap, but this is definitely a contrarian view given uh, the, the popular narrative to be bearish on, uh, on small I cap. I see, I see. It sounds very interesting. Thanks. But I just want to talk about emerging markets for now. I mean, compared to the U.S. markets and other Western markets, so how are emerging markets performing amidst all of this uncertainty? Look, emerging markets have been um, quite um, um, okay, but not uh, stellar compared to, um, especially in the first quarter, the U.S., which was driven really by uh, by five stocks. Mm-hmm. So it's really a, a very difficult uh, market to, uh, to gouge. Um, but if you look at emerging markets, I think the, the key story there is uh, the China reopening. Mm-hmm. And uh, we believe that the China reopening is real. Okay. Uh, it's happening in stages, as mm-hmm. we have all experienced uh, exiting COVID. So China exited COVID only in November last mm-hmm. year. So stage one was really the, the, the reopening, uh, people spending uh, a bit of their money, but still be quite cautious in their spending. Mm-hmm. Stage two, which we are right now, is that we can see that the consumer is really spending more in, uh, in shopping malls, um, apparels. Uh, they are also going to uh, increase uh, to bigger ticket items like um, potentially furniture and so on. Mm-hmm. And stage three is really what we are uh, expecting would be more business confidence rebounding and then business uh, spending more uh, as they, uh, they could given the, the policy support that we heard from China, Chinese policymakers. Okay. So we believe that uh, really China is on the, on the curve of, uh, of rebounding. Today mm-hmm. was a reopening after the holiday. Right. And it's, uh, it's a good day in the market for, for China. Mm. And uh, we could see that it can provide also diversification compared to, uh, to the U.S. where the slowdown is quite evident. Mm-hmm. But in China, we are more talking about a, a reopening. And by the way, valuations are very, very uh, 
low. So mm. the downside is quite limited to, to China compared to other markets. Okay, okay. Speaking of China then, how much have China's reopening added to the optimism in emerging markets? And can this optimism last for the rest of the year? Look, there will be a ripple effect on uh, China reopening to uh, mm-hmm. some of the neighboring countries. But, um, for example, think about uh, about Thailand on, mm-hmm. uh, on tourism, for example. Uh, Hong Kong is also a big beneficiary in terms of uh, reopening of, uh, of China. Mm-hmm. But we should not think about China the way we used to think about uh, China 10 years or 20 years uh, before. Mm-hmm. In the past, China was really dri- driving uh, a lot of commodity demand. Mm-hmm. And a lot of expectations were backed in where China reopened last year, we saw uh, oil prices going up. Mm-hmm. We saw a lot of materials, um, or commodity materials also, uh, their prices going up. This is not the case uh, this time. And uh, we can see that commodity prices have been coming down because investors are going to the realization that right. this is different. Mm-hmm. China reopening is more at, um, uh, domestically driven. Mm-hmm. It's uh, around consumption. And it's not about uh, building a new, uh, a new uh, house or uh, a property or, or a bridge. Mm-hmm. So uh, there will be a lower uh, ripple effect to con- commodity producers, but mm-hmm. there will be uh, more uh, beneficiary around um, uh, technology, mm-hmm. around automation, around uh, also uh, tourism. Okay, okay. Other than China, though, is there another emerging market that investors should look into more? Look, uh, I think we are uh, quite constructive in uh, in Asia. And mm-hmm. the, the other big ones uh, would be um, uh, Korea and Taiwan. Mm. Uh, of course, this is quite uh, tech-related, as I said, and um, and that's something that uh, we have seen uh, quite a strong demand because um, we see a, a trend in uh, automation mm-hmm. of manufacturing uh, in uh, in China. Mm. The other one that uh, a lot of investors have been talking about is uh, India. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, valuations in India were very elevated uh, last year. This has been coming down a bit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would say there, is, there are potential opportunities in India, but you have to be very selective uh, not to pay uh, too much of a price uh, for getting exposure. Okay, okay. Well, thank you so much, Toma, for joining me today. Thank you, Hongbin. Thank you. Have a great day. We've been speaking to Toma Pulawik, who is the head of multi-asset solutions, APAC, and a portfolio manager in the multi-asset division at T. Rowe Price. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.